the Baptist broadcast talking about at least three different aspects of the new birth. Uh, the new birth, what we often call regeneration, is a very important doctrine, especially within um, our theology and what we hold to be true as uh, not only as Baptists, but when you look at the whole Protestant tradition, how important does regeneration and conversion figure into, for example, Puritan preaching um, and the emphasis put on regeneration and conversion. You can look at the great preacher Martin Lloyd-Jones who put such an emphasis on regeneration on the new birth. And and this is because really regeneration or the new birth figures as a very important theme throughout the entirety of, of the New Testament. Um, starting with Jesus' words in John 3 to Nicodemus. Um, and if you look at Jesus' words to Nicodemus in John 3, um, what I think becomes apparent, although this is not something that's necessarily brought out uh, from this text, is that there is an Old Testament background to the new birth that needs to be accounted for as a result of what Jesus has to say in John 3, 1 through 21. So if you look at the text, and actually I'm just going to go ahead and try to bring the text up here. Um, I think if I go and do a uh, window capture, and then I make that window um, logos, and bring it up there for you. Um, and uh, it's, it's going to be quite difficult to, to share the screen with this. Unless, of course, what I do is go up, uh, let's see, up here. What are you, this is, okay, here we go. Here we go, there we go. Now we're cooking with gas. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and minimize this. You can see it. I'll put it up here in the corner. Um, okay, so when, when you're looking at a, a text like John 3, let me go ahead and try to get control of it here. Uh, oops. Oops, oops, oops. I don't want to move that. All right. Nope. Um, let's see. Uh, let's see. Let's see here. Done. Okay. So just what I do on Logos, it does on there. Okay, cool. Okay. So when you're looking at a text like, like John 3, you know, it's this. The this is such a uh, a long passage. You just begin at the at the beginning, John three one. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. Everybody is familiar, I think, for the most part, with this interaction. This man came to Jesus by night. He was obviously afraid of what his uh, his uh, colleagues would think about him. He says, "Rabbi, teacher," he acknowledges acknowledges Jesus as a teacher. He says, "We know that you are a teacher." come from God. And so he says that we know this. The Pharisees know this. My boys, my friends, my colleagues know this, uh, even though, of course, they weren't wanting to admit it for political purposes and, and greed and all of that. We know that your teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus says right off the bat, before he even gets into any kind of lengthy discussion or interaction with Nicodemus, he says, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Okay, so uh, he cuts Nicodemus off. Okay, yes, I'm doing these signs, I'm performing these miracles, you must be born again. 
Otherwise, none of this matters. None of, none of these things matter, and, you, and you're going to fail to understand these things properly within the correct context, but also you're going to fail to appropriate them rightly because your mind is darkened, your heart is sinful, and all else, so you must be born again. Otherwise, you can't see these things for what they are. And then Nicodemus responds in verse 4, How can a man be born again when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born again? Now, this is the part which should give you a hint that there is an Old Testament background to the notion of the new birth. The reason that is is because physical generation or genealogy was very, very important to uh, the first century Jew. Uh, it was actually how Matthew, both Matthew and Luke begin the first part of the, their accounts of the gospel is with Jesus' genealogy from different individuals. That's why the genealogy that's why the genealogies look look different. Um, and they're not exhaustive genealogies by any means, but they are showing that uh, Jesus was uh, related to um, uh, to the seed that Jesus actually came from, for example, David, the son, he that he is the son of David, that uh, he is descended all the way, you know, back from Abraham and so on. So it, genealogy is very important for proving a person, uh, a person's birthright. Uh, it determined whether or not a person was a Jew or not. And of course, uh, on top of the genealogy, you had circumcision, which was uh, a formal cause, if you will, of Jewishness. It uh, wasn't all ethnically driven, but it was also ceremonially driven. Um, and so you you. You, you have genealogy playing a very central role, okay? But that's all relevant, very, very relevant to the Old Testament, to the Old Covenant, especially as it begins building back in Genesis 15 and 17 uh, with the Abrahamic Covenant and the institution of circumcision in 17. Now, what, 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 how is this related to the new birth? Well, um, John comes at the beginning of his ministry, uh, John the Baptist, comes and he says that the axe is laid at the root of the tree. This happens back in Mark 3. Uh, the axe is laid at the root of the tree. Any tree that does not bear fruit is going to be chopped down, thrown into the fire. And he says, don't you dare go and start saying that you are children of Abraham as if that gives you some right to redemption or to the promise. Because God can just as well raise up children of Abraham from these stones, right? And that is a reference, it's an offhanded reference, but it's a reference nevertheless to the new birth where God can take anybody in the world and create in them a new heart, a clean heart, a renewed mind, a new will, and birth them forth, as it were, to use the language of James 1, and um, and then and then have a new creature, right? That's what the new birth gives way to, is being a new creature. And the reason this is relevant, it's kind of a secondary reason, because really it the, the chief reason it's relevant is because a natural man, Adam, fell, and we fell in him, and now we're in need, in dire need of, of a new birth, right? Um, but it's also relevant because of the genealogical emphasis in the Old Testament, really beginning at Abraham, uh, Moving onward, this idea of the seed, uh, the promised seed, which we understand from Galatians 3 is ultimately Christ, but all those who are in Christ are the true seed of Abraham, as it says 
in Galatians 3. So we'll, we'll I'll go ahead and pull up Galatians 3 here. And we'll, we'll see that connection. Um, now this happens uh, later on. Let's see, down in, okay. Down in uh, verses 26 to 29, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ. Sons, again, that's that's the idea there is is that you are you are an offspring um, of God through faith in in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. Those distinctions aren't obliterated at all. There's still a natural level on which those distinctions hold true. Obviously, male and female are not. That's not an obliterated distinction. Uh, it's it's still a reality there that there is a Jewish ethnicity and a Greek ethnicity, right? That there are subordinate uh, subordinates and masters, you might say. Uh, those distinctions all hold true at the natural level. Um, but when you're considering the gospel and the new covenant, these distinctions go away. Okay, so you can't say. It, when you when you when you talk about the new covenant, you can't say this person's a Jew, so they're entitled to this 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 and that, uh, in distinction to the Greek, who is entitled to this 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 and this. Right? You can't do that because there's no, in relation to the new covenant, as we're talking about the new covenant, there is no distinction between those, the Jew or the Greek or male and female for that matter, and that's that's also relevant to the old. Testament, because there was a distinction in the Old Covenant between male and female, most obviously seen in circumcision. Okay, and here in the New Covenant, we're seeing that that distinction is eliminated as it relates to New Covenant membership. All right, not as it relates to the natural order, but as it relates to New Covenant membership. He says, for you are all one in Jesus. And then verse 29, it says, if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now, regeneration, the new birth, and being Christ's and being Abraham's seed, therefore, that's all related together, all right? Because you're not Christ's if you're not regenerated, right? You're not a son of God. You're not an offspring of God if you're not born again, as Jesus tells Nicodemus back in John 3. So Nicodemus comes back, and of course, he's assuming old covenant standards that you have to be born according to a, a, a physiological birth in order to be legitimate, right? He says, so how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And then Jesus says, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. This is a whole new order that Jesus is introducing to someone of the mind of Nicodemus, right? Namely Nicodemus himself, but anyone who is living during that time, especially those who were Jewish uh, and coming out of the Old Covenant. This would have sounded very strange to them, mainly because they were not reading the Old Testament correctly, because their eyes were veiled, right? They were uh, they were blinded to the reality of the Old Testament, but, but ultimately the seed of Abraham, that was a... The, the physical posterity of Abraham, I mean, that was a typological shadow of the true seed. And the true seed is not determined along genealogical lines as the physical seed of Abraham was. It's determined along the lines of the new birth. And so there are three aspects. There are more aspects than that, but there are three aspects that we could bring out about the new birth. 
namely uh, the new birth as it relates to or as it is necessary for the resurrection. So the new birth is a kind of proto-resurrection. It's a beginning fulfillment of the resurrection. That's because, uh, or the reason for that is because of the language that you find in places like Ephesians 2. You he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world. You can find references uh, that link regeneration and resurrection in places like Philippians, Colossians, 1 Corinthians, um, and so on and so forth. And, uh, and really what the bodily resurrection is, is a consummation of our regeneration. The regeneration is just the inauguration of resurrection life. It's the beginning of our eternal life, but it's not consummated yet. So there's all this language that connects regeneration with resurrection in the scripture. Um, so that's one aspect of the new birth, that it's very significant in terms of, of resurrection. You must be born again if you're going to be resurrected bodily when Christ returns. And the other thing is, is that regeneration or the new birth is necessary for adoption. And this aspect of adoption, uh, this idea of adoption is linked to uh, regeneration. When it, um, uh, Let's see. Let's see. One of the places that this happens um, here in Romans eight twenty three. Not only that, but we also have the first fruits of the spirit. Again, this is a that's a reference to the new birth, regeneration. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly awaiting the adoption, the redemption of our body. Again, adoption is linked there to resurrection of the body. Um, but those two things, adoption and resurrection of the body, is linked with the initial deposit of the spirit that we have, the down payment of the spirit that we have in regeneration. And that's all linked together here in Romans 8.23. Romans 8.15, just before that, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption. Okay, that's, again, that's regeneration. uh, And that's the spirit by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. We consider Christ's Father, our Father, in Christ Jesus, and that is applied to us by Holy Spirit regeneration or the new birth. Um, and so, and, and then it, the adoption piece obviously becomes very important in terms of the seed, being the seed. Are we the seed? Yes, you are if you're in Christ Jesus. And being the seed, the, the word adoption uh, is the root word for it is weos for son, offspring. So it's related to being a seed, being an offspring of God in Christ. The third thing is New Covenant confirmation. Um, I consider uh, the new birth is actually a new covenant benefit, so absolutely considered uh, the the new birth is not a condition to getting into the new covenant. We're chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. Christ secures the new covenant for us through his obedience to the covenant of redemption, the pactum salutis, and then mediates that to us freely. And being regenerate is actually a, even though it happens at the same time of, of being brought into the new covenant. It's actually a benefit of the new covenant. But I guess you could say that relatively speaking, yet not absolutely, regeneration is what brings you into new covenant life. And so, you, you know, you can understand it as a condition in that sense, is that God regenerates you and then you're brought into this new covenant, this new covenant life in Christ Jesus as a result of, of, of the new birth. Um, and there are parallels here between uh, not parallels, well, parallels, but also a contrast between the new covenant and the old covenant. How is one brought into the old covenant through physical birth and then, um, and then circumcision? How is one brought into the new covenant through spiritual birth, uh, through regeneration? 
right? Um, and so there's a contrast, yet a parallel there, because uh, both of those things are births, yet there's a big contrast between uh, the kind of, uh, the species of births, we might say. So there, there are all these aspects of the new birth, which I think are very interesting to consider and, and very important to meditate upon. This is another, there are so many themes in Scripture that tie all of Scripture together, and I think the new birth is one of those themes, even though it's not as explicitly alluded to in the Old Testament. There's places in the Old Testament that most certainly look forward to it um, typologically, uh, and I would say even by virtue of the resurrection language in the Old Testament, which is few and far between, somewhat, I'll grant, uh, but that looks forward to a new birth, a renewal uh, by the Spirit of God. So hopefully this was helpful. If it was, give me a, a thumbs up. If it wasn't helpful, give me a thumbs down and then let me know in the comments section. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful rest of your day.